brother! Guys, welcome to part six of Dumbledore's Big Plan, where today we're going to be discussing the Half-Blood Prince. If you are brand new to the series, I recommend you check out episodes one through five first, but otherwise, let's dive on in. Ah, the Half-Blood Prince, or as it may otherwise be called, Dumbledore's Big Plan. I mean, the days of guiding Harry through various hoops and teaching him the value of love and unity and trust and friendship and all that are behind us. Dumbledore has now taught Harry everything he can about the kind of person Harry needs to be to defeat Voldemort. And he's even armed him with two whole spells. All that's left is to tell Harry how to actually kill Voldemort, to teach him about his past and use that to hunt down his anchors to life, his horcruxes. Finally, the whole plan is on the table and out in the open. Almost. It's like 97% of the way on the table and out in the open, but Dumbledore does still have a few aces up his sleeves. At this point in the game, Dumbledore has to be extremely careful about which order and when Harry learns the final bits of information. He can see that victory against Voldemort is nearly at hand. All the pieces are on the board. He just has to start making his moves at exactly the right moments because Dumbledore actually has two goals in mind now. The first is of course to defeat Voldemort, which will involve Harry sacrificing himself. The second is for Harry to survive that sacrifice without knowing that it's possible for him to survive the sacrifice. Let's do this. The unusual thing about Half-Blood Prince as it relates to Dumbledore's plan is that so many of Dumbledore's actions are actually inactions. Which isn't to say he isn't actively taking steps to prepare Harry for the final battle with Voldemort, it's just that all of those actions are really obvious and the subject of most of the book. But even his active steps are different from our other entries in this series, where Dumbledore is just front and center with Harry as opposed to being behind the scenes and pulling the strings on Harry's life without him realizing it. Conveniently for us though, the goals we outlined earlier about defeating Voldemort and Harry surviving death fall neatly into each of these camps. So first, let's start with what Dumbledore is doing rather than what he isn't doing, which is teaching Harry about Voldemort's past and what kind of person he is. I'd like to open with a quote from The Art of War. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. This is the principle that Dumbledore is acting on in this book, in this war against Voldemort, and notably is something that Voldemort is not acting on. Voldemort seems to firmly fall into that second scenario of knowing yourself, but not knowing your enemy. And sure enough, for every victory he has, he also suffers a defeat. He finds Quirrell and the Philosopher's Stone, but ends up getting the stone destroyed. The diary successfully opens the Chamber of Secrets and attacks a bunch of Muggleborns, but in the end, the Basilisk dies and the Horcrux, the 
the diary is destroyed. Voldemort finally gets his body back in the graveyard and then promptly loses a duel to an unqualified wizard. And then after Harry finally takes his bait and retrieves the prophecy for him, the prophecy gets smashed and the entire wizarding world learns that he has returned. He's back. Again, if you know yourself, but not your enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. This is one of the main reasons Voldemort is so unsuccessful time and time again. He's so arrogant, and the odd thing is, he actually does think he understands Harry. He even says so in the Deathly Hallows. You sound like Lucius. Neither of you understands Potter as I do. He does not need finding. Potter will come to me. I know his weakness, you see, his one great flaw. He will hate watching the others struck down around him, knowing that it is for him that it happens. He will want to stop it at any cost. He will come. The great irony here is that this is Voldemort's one great flaw. But the point is, Voldemort thinks Harry will come to the forest out of guilt and fear, not out of selflessness, and certainly not as a means to defeat him. Dumbledore is determined, though, that Harry will not fall victim to the same mistake, which is why he does everything he can to teach Harry as much about Voldemort's past and who he is. He shows him Voldemort's last living relatives, the Gaunts, and the kind of pure blood mania they believed in. He shows him Voldemort's abused mother who magically coerces his father into a relationship. His father who then abandons his wife and unborn child after realizing they exist. Dumbledore shows Harry the orphanage where Voldemort grew up, where he was alienated from the other kids because of his powers. Not that he really understood them at that point. How he collected objects as trophies of his torment of the other children. And at last he showed him Hogwarts, where Voldemort finally did feel at home, but remained isolated as the single most talented student in the school. And the purpose of these lessons on the surface may seem to just educate Harry about the Horcruxes, which they do. But the real lesson is how Dumbledore has been using this information about Voldemort's past to locate the Horcruxes. How Voldemort chose places that were significant to himself as hiding spots for the Horcruxes. In particular, Voldemort's desire to have a sense of belonging in the wizarding world and his absolute affinity for Hogwarts and anything to do with it end up being crucial bits of information for Harry in his quest. And you can see these lessons really come through a year later in Deathly Hallows when Ron says, you really understand him, bits of him, bits. I just wish I'd understood Dumbledore as much, but we'll see, come on. Ollivander now. Ah, don't you worry, Harry, we got you covered. We're figuring out all the Dumbledore bits here in 2020. You're not here yet, but you're gonna love it. All we do is stay inside and pretend we don't exist. It's great. It's, hope this joke doesn't age well. Point is, these lessons from Dumbledore are highly instructive in helping Harry track down, in particular, the cup and the diadem. Because Harry is able to understand about Voldemort that he would have wanted a vault in Gringotts and seen it as a real part of belonging in the wizarding world. And all throughout Deathly Hallows, Harry is having to contend with Ron and Hermione, who continuously shoot down his insistence that Voldemort would have hit a Horcrux at 
at Hogwarts. Personally, I like to think that when they finally figured out Voldemort did hide one at Hogwarts, Harry took a little private moment to do like a little, I told you so dance. And once they know Horcrux is at Hogwarts, Harry is then able to deduce how Voldemort found it in the first place by charming the Grey Lady. And he's able to figure out where Voldemort hid it because he understands Voldemort's arrogance and fascination with Hogwarts. Which is to say, he knows that Voldemort arrogantly believed he was the only one to ever find the Room of Requirement. And what I kind of love about Dumbledore teaching Harry all of this is the faith it demonstrates in Harry. Because at that point, Dumbledore has already arranged his death with Snape, and he already knows everything Harry knows, if not more, and yet he himself has not located all of the Horcruxes. He simply understands that this knowledge and knowing your enemy is extremely valuable, even if he isn't sure how it will be useful to Harry yet. On the other hand, though, there is plenty of information Dumbledore deems not worthy for Harry to know yet, because it all plays into his second goal for Harry, which is for Harry to survive death. And again, he cannot know that it is possible for him to survive death. And that is sort of the really crucially important Thing. If you will recall back to our Goblet of Fire video, we talked about a gleam of triumph in Dumbledore's eyes. This gleam happens upon learning that Voldemort has used Harry's blood to regenerate his body. It was the moment Dumbledore realized Harry might have a way back, might have a way to survive. Because at that point, Dumbledore already knows Harry is gonna have to die, but suddenly a window of opportunity has opened. And I think it's worth pointing out here that until that moment, Dumbledore kind of was just raising Harry as a pig for slaughter. But as of learning this crucial piece of information, he has to adjust it because the game has changed. Harry can survive. So first let's fast forward to the resolution of this plan where Harry does in fact survive and he and Dumbledore have the following exchange. But I should have died. I didn't defend myself. I meant to let him kill me. And that will, I think, have made all the difference. This little exchange helps inform so many of Dumbledore's decisions. Harry has to mean to die. He has to face Voldemort with intent to die, with no idea that survival is possible, because that is what it means to be the true master of death. You are the true master of death, because the true master does not seek to run away from death. He accepts that he must die, and understands that there are far, far worse things in the living world than dying. So in short, if Harry believes he can survive, then the sacrifice can't be real and he won't be able to come back. Now, rest assured his death would still count and the Horcrux would still be destroyed. Harry just wouldn't be able to survive it. Dumbledore though, who has come to care for Harry, suspects that survival is a possible outcome and so starts leading Harry down the path towards that goal, which is why he does not tell him the following things. First is that Snape loved Lily. Second is the existence of the Deathly Hallows and Third, that Harry himself is a Horcrux. Harry comes so, so, so close to getting the truth about Snape from Dumbledore just before they leave to go hunt for the locket. And you can tell Dumbledore really considers telling him, Professor, how can you be sure Snape's on our side? Dumbledore did not speak for a moment. He looked as though he was trying to make up his mind about something. At last, he said, 
I am sure. I trust Severus Snape completely. This is a really tough moment for Dumbledore. He certainly believes Harry has a right to know this information as it relates to the death of his parents, and he just learned that Snape is the one who overheard the prophecy. But this is an example of Dumbledore learning from his mistakes in Order of the Phoenix, where he admitted to caring for Harry too much. Telling Harry the truth here might ease his mind, but it won't save his life. Because the real reason he can't tell Harry here is later revealed during The Prince's Tale. Dumbledore's portrait is talking to Snape, telling him to go give the Sword of Gryffindor to Harry, Ron, and Hermione in the Forest of Dean, and warns him not to be seen, because if Voldemort should read Harry's mind and see you acting for him, Snape then cuts him off. But the point is, if Harry knows the truth about Snape, then Voldemort could learn the truth about Snape. Which ultimately might not have been the worst thing, except that Dumbledore has already arranged his death with Snape. Which means Snape's ability to act from within Voldemort's ranks is about to multiply by like 10. Snape being the one who kills Dumbledore wins him 100% faith and trust from Voldemort, meaning Snape can then cause that much more mayhem. Which he totally does. He protects Order members during the Battle of the Seven Potters, he gives Harry, Ron, and Hermione the sword, and he's even suggesting plans to the Order from behind the scenes. But the other real bigger issue is that Snape is the only other person that knows Harry needs to die at the hands of Voldemort, that Harry must sacrifice himself. And Dumbledore entrusts Snape with the task of eventually telling Harry this. So the boy, the boy must die? And Voldemort himself must do it, Severus. That is essential. Which by the way, if you've ever thought it was super convenient the way in which Snape finally eventually does give Harry this information that, wow, if Voldemort had just used Abada Kedavra and not killed Snape with Nagini, that would have been the end of it. Harry never would have known. The reason Voldemort doesn't use Abada Kedavra against Snape is because he believes Snape is the master of the Elder Wand, so he doesn't want to use the Elder Wand against Snape because he thinks it's going to backfire in the exact way it does against Harry later on. I finally figured that out last week and I've been like dying to tell you guys. Anyway, since Snape knows this information, it means Harry can't know that Snape is on their side. Because if Voldemort finds out that Snape is actually a traitor, he will certainly break into his mind and learn this information. Which means Voldemort would know that attacking Harry would be as much of an attack on himself as it was an attack on Harry. Does that make sense? He would know that Harry walking into the forest was not a defensive move, but an offensive move. And he may order somebody else to kill Harry, which then again would stop Harry from being able to return. As for the Deathly Hallows, it is certainly a weird one because at this point, Dumbledore already would have written his will and intends for Harry to get the Resurrection Stone and for Hermione to get the book with the symbol on the tales of the three brothers that will inevitably lead them to the information about the Deathly Hallows. Plus, he already has the Elder Wand and Harry already has the cloak, so like, why not just tell him? Well, his reasoning, at least what he tells Harry and King's Cross is, I was scared that if presented outright with the facts about those tempting objects, you might seize the Hallows as I did at the wrong time for the wrong reasons. If you laid hands on them, I wanted you to possess them safely. And the stone in particular here is the most crucial. It is the final piece of the puzzle for Dumbledore, the thing he thinks will help Harry walk into death. 
But based on the way he conceals it, he obviously only intends Harry to use it just before he dies and definitely not earlier to like, I don't know, bring Dumbledore back. Boy, can you imagine if Harry had figured this out way sooner and was like, woohoo, Dumbledore! Dumbledore, how do we get salmon? We are so hungry. He needs Harry to know what the stone does, but also not to tell him ahead of time. So he tells him via the story, but then that also reveals the other Hallows. And he can't tell Harry about the Hallows earlier because it might seem like a way that Harry can survive death. And Harry can't think that he can survive death because then he can't survive death. Got it? And as for not telling Harry that he's a Horcrux ahead of time, well, we've touched on this some already, but it mostly comes down to this quote. Harry must not know, not until the last moment, not until it is necessary. Otherwise, how could he have the strength to do what must be done? Revealing this information to Harry is tantamount to just telling him the whole plan. Telling him that this whole time, he has just been intending for Harry to die, which I dare say would undermine quite a bit of the trust he'd built up over the past six years. Of course, that's not the full plan. The full plan is for him to survive, but again, he can't tell him this, and I feel like I'm a broken record because if he tells him that, then he can't survive. It's a really weird conundrum. But he can't tell him just the first half either because if he finds out that Dumbledore's been trying to kill him the whole time without realizing that maybe he could be saved, then he might not carry out the rest of the plan at all, and then Voldemort wins. We can't have that. <laughs> but there you go, guys. That is part six of Dumbledore's big plan. Personally, I really love this one. I like the beginning half about learning about your enemy because I also feel like it helps explain all the stuff Dumbledore doesn't tell Harry about himself in Deathly Hallows. It demonstrates how crucial and important all of the time they spent together was. Like, Dumbledore had one focus, and that was teaching Harry about Voldemort. Learning more about each other, that might have made Harry feel like they were better friends friends like, oh, we're both from Godric's Hollow. That's awesome. But it doesn't help defeat Voldemort. Guys, this has been a super fun journey through the Harry Potter books. Tune in next week for part seven, the finale, as we dive into the Deathly Hallows. But if you have any ideas for things we missed in the Half-Blood Prince or things we need to make sure we include from Deathly Hallows, leave your thoughts in the towel section down below. And as ever, we're going to be hosting another live stream here on Super Carlin Brothers this Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern. We hope to see you there. Thanks so much for watching today's video. Please remember to leave a like on it if you haven't already and subscribe so you don't miss any future Harry Potter action from us. If you want to see part seven of Dumbledore's Big Plan, you can check it out right here. But until next time, Ben, I will see you in another life, brother.